millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, Margaret. Hi, Teddy. Now imagine you are a married man cheating on your wife. What's the worst that could happen? My dick kind of chop off. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so let me give you a timeline. It's Wednesday, 3rd December 2003. At 10.15, you go to your girlfriend's apartment, your mistress's apartment. Alright, she has two flatmates, a couple, but they're still pretty nice. It's a three-bedroom apartment on the 7th floor of Punjak Prima Galleria Condominium, and it's in an upper-middle-class neighbourhood. It's quite fancy lah. It's in a residential area called... Desa Shri Hartamas. You have friends with you. This isn't a booty call yet. You mm-hmm. are going out to party. And the whole gang is here and you're going to be going to the Hard Rock Cafe in KL. And it's a great time and you stay at the club until 1.30am. Which is not that late lah, But yeah. it's like, okay lah. It's normal. Alright, so after that, you go back to her place. Y'all bump uglies. <laughs> Alright. And, you know, do the dirty, you have sex. And it's all good. It's a great night. You leave at 3.30am the next morning and then you drive home. Vroom, vroom. It's now Thursday, 4th December. That's right. It's still a weekday and you still have to go to work as a city council engineer. So you get a call from your girlfriend and you call her back before 1pm. Alright, so it's all good. Morning, day, whatever. You have a little chat about how you're going to meet up later this week and you go through the rest of your workday. You're kind of done, you're tired, you've had it at 4.30pm, you clock out. And finally, you drive home to your family's condo in Shah Alam. It's a satellite city from KL, about 18km away. You go straight to bed, you take a two-hour nap. Now remember, you are married. Mm-hmm. You are a married man, Margaret. You got shit to do. You drive one of your daughters to her tuition teacher at Shah Alam Mall and then you drop your wife off at the KTM Shah Alam commuter station. And then you still have to pick your daughter up after 8.30 and you get home and oh, plot twist, you got relatives visiting. It's a damn busy day for you. Yeah, he must be that check tired. Yeah. So everyone's here, your brother-in-law, his fiance, your brother's sister-in-law, random ass friends, and y'all just sit around chatting until 10.30, you know, like when you have friends over. Mm-hmm. And when everyone finally leaves, you can have a moment to yourself, and you watch some TV, and then you go to bed. What a busy <laughs> day it's been. The next day is Friday, 5th December, and at 10am, you get a call. It's your friend. Jackie, Mama Celine, someone who's worked with your girlfriend's flatmate at the Crystal Club, is the worst call of your life. Your girlfriend is dead, and you think to yourself, it's very likely that you are the prime suspect. Hi, I'm Teddy. I'm Margaret. And welcome to A Briefcase. Today, we're covering the murder of Norita Samsudin, who was found dead in her bed in her apartment room on 4th December 2003. Let's start 
that with Hanif Basri Abdul Rahman. So Hanif was 36 years old. He was an engineer that worked for the city council and he was married and had three kids. In the newspaper coverage for the case, he was described tall and handsome, according to some sources. He used to be a national volleyball player and was part of the Malaysian Volleyball Federation. Wow. And I legit saw the picture, not bad. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, inappropriate. Alright, now we know a little bit more about Narita. We don't know much about Hanif, but we know a little bit more about Narita. We don't know where she was born or what her childhood was like, but we do know that her family home at that time was in Bokoksuna, Kedah. Alright, we know she was a very gentle, very caring girl, and that her favourite food was ketam masak lemak, which is crab cooked in coconut milk. Mmm, yummy. Alright, and she was very, very attractive, very, very pretty. We know that she worked as a part-time model, but she also had a day job as a marketing exec. So mm. she was doing the most. She lived in a three-bedroom apartment with her friends, Noor Azara Hamid, and her friend Noor worked as a guest relation officer in a lounge called The Crystal Club, the one that we mentioned in the intro. Her friend's boyfriend was called Kenneth Michael Yap, and Kenneth was a DJ at the Novo Club, so they're all very into the nightlife. Alright, and the thing is that they were pretty close. Whenever one of them stayed out late, the one at home would leave the dining light on. You know, so that like when you come home, it's not all dark. Oh, okay. Yeah. Another thing that we do know is that Hanif wasn't Norita's only boyfriend. What? Yeah. At that time, she was allegedly involved. This is very speculative, alright, from the newspapers. She was allegedly involved with a couple of other men as well. Some of whom were friends and some allegedly more alright the newspapers were very sensational at that point of time but okay? why didn't they like suspect the others why did they only suspect this Hanif guy more? They, they did they did it was very very speculative it was very very so sensational they sus- suspected all of them it was <laughs> it was um, questionable reporting in my opinion but, but opinion only yeah so now that's July 2003 and Norita meets Hanif at the Crystal Club Karaoke Lounge. And they're instantly attracted because they're both good-looking people. You know, good-looking mm. people like to be attracted to other good-looking the people. <laughs> He's good-looking, she's good-looking, and in less than three weeks, they're hooking up. They meet up once a week and they call almost every day. Because you know, last time, like, it's mainly calling. Mm. And by October, they are seeing each other twice a week. And that's something that continues over November and December. And the whole time he's cheating on his wife and the whole time she has like other boyfriends, apparently. Does Hanif have other girlfriends? (laughs) It doesn't say, but I don't think so. Okay, so well, since Hanif was married, they could only meet at Narita's place because I mean, come on. It's already (laughs) disrespectful, please. So usually, they would go to her Punjak Prima Galleria condo. They would bang for an hour or two, you know, depending. Mm-hmm. See, see whether can yeah, or not. Yeah. yeah. Alright, and when they were done, he would leave and he would go past the security guard on his way out. He bopian have to... Yeah. Yeah. And then now, let's, let's backtrack a bit. Let's backtrack to the night of 4th December 2003. Alright? Kenneth and Azara went out that night. They didn't go to the Hard Rock Cafe. They went to Easton's Hotel Club. It's called Viva. When they went home, something was strange. The dining room light wasn't on. And, oh shit, there was a smell. What, 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 what the fuck is that smell? It was, a, it was a very heavy smell. It was noxious, disgusting body odour. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was like thinking blood, but you said body odor. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a very strong smell B-O. of bo, extreme bo. Maybe and Norita then, had a very smelly hookup today. <laughs> yeah, so right, they checked the shoe rack. They were like, oh, I wonder who is Norita hooking up tonight. Hong Kong shoe guy. Eh? <laughs> yeah, but there's no, but there there wasn't any new shoes in the shoe rack. There wasn't any visitors. There wasn't any extra shoes there, and. Oh my god, the smell. It wasn't anyone that Norita had before because they would have remembered purely by the smell, okay? <laughs> the smell was emphasized a lot. Durian. I don't know. <laughs> hey, Durian is nice, okay, Rip Bron. Okay, so they walked through the dark apartment and so Azora was like, you know like when you walk in the dark, sometimes you're like, I feel like there's someone there. So Azora felt like there was a man standing somewhere to the right of the living room. And she couldn't see him clearly. But she wasn't that drunk. She had like two glasses of stout and some beer. So it's, it's not that much. It's a little bit. Alright, and she was like, Hey, Kenneth, do you see that guy? And he's like, Oh, what guy, what guy? Maybe <sighs> she saw, she can see ghosts. I don't know. No. Okay, so Kenneth, he, he unlocked his bedroom door, right? But she she didn't feel right. So she went back out and she checked the hall, the living room. There, there was nothing. But then, but then, right, when she checks the front door, mm. it's unlatched. And they closed it when they came in. Oh, holy shit. So the guy just sneaky, sneaky got out of the house. He just left, yeah. Okay, so Kenneth and Azara, they start calling out for Narita. They're like, Narita, Narita, are you okay? But no reply. So Kenneth, he goes down. He goes to the guard house to check for any visitors. He's like, did anyone come in? Because you have to register for condos, right? Mm. And Azara, she's looking around the apartment. And then she notices Narita's door is slightly open. So, like, she looks in, ah, since Norita didn't answer. Yeah. And then she turns on the light, and there's clothes just across the floor. And she's like, Norita, Norita, babe, are you there? Because, you know, if your friends passed out, you want to know, at least. How big is their room? How big is their house? <laughs> I haven't found yet. <laughs> it's quite big, la. It's quite a big Yeah, condo. they got money, la, huh? Yeah, yeah, middle upper class condo. So, she pulls back the duvet on the bed, and Norita was there naked face down her head was covered with a pillowcase her hands and legs were tied up her hands were tied with electrical cord and this cord was later to be found cut from an iron and her legs were tied with the same cord and a few of her bras like they used her bras to tie her legs and so Azara freaks out she immediately rushes out and she calls down to Kenneth and then she rushes to the neighbours but remember this is like 4.30 in the morning Mm. this is like 4.30 in the morning yeah so she rushes back to her bedroom window and Kenneth isn't there anymore but instead there's a figure there's a man walking towards the guard house and could this be the same man that she thought she saw in the house and so she shouts at him she's like you bastard stop I think you are Mm. the killer which is kind of a weird thing to shout at the killer if you're like yeah I, I mean she maybe they had time to react so she just yeah, shouted whatever yeah you know? exactly yeah because you're in, you're in so much shock right yeah so he obviously doesn't stop because you know if you're the killer you're, are you going like, to stop yeah oh me no I'm not the killer obviously yeah <laughs> so the man disappears and she calls a friend Miko so she, that night right when she and Kenneth were out they were partying with Miko so she knew that Miko was awake because mm. you know you, at 4.30 uh, the, the number of people you have awake are in short supply yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay so she shouts at the guy house in case they can catch the guy but the guard house nobody's responding so she needs to catch him because she's pretty sure that this would be smelly guy <laughs> right okay so she rushes to the lift and and while rushing to the lift she runs into kenneth and a security guard 
she's like, okay, let's settle the matter at hand. Also, she didn't bother chasing after the guy already. Because the guy is already out past the guard house. Yeah. Yeah, so a bit a bit tough lah. So they go into Narita's room and they remove the pillowcase. And underneath, there was a bolster case tied around her mouth and it was like knotted at the back of her head. And so they untie that knot and a face towel falls out of her mouth. Oh, she, so she suffocated something like that? She, yeah, so she's out, but they refuse to believe that she's dead, you know. They think that maybe she's like just passed out or something. Mm. So they use a kitchen knife to cut the cord around her arms. And around this time, Miko, do you remember Miko? The one that they partied with. And oh, that, okay. Yeah. They, they contacted the only friend that yeah, was probably that, still awake. <laughs> yeah, so they try, Miko arrives and tries to do CPR on her. And the whole time, the security guard is just kind of standing there. <laughs> yeah, and the CPR doesn't work because it's too late. And so finally, they call the police. And so by 5am, 10 police officers were at the scene. They also have a canine unit because remember the smell was so distinct. Like yeah, the, I, yeah, those yeah, would be useful. So for this. noxious. So it was a German Shepherd, and and the German Shepherd manages to catch the smell, and he follows it all the way to the staircase along the drains to a spot next to a fence, and then it loses the scent. At six a.m., the police was collecting evidence. And in total, 116 samples were retrieved and 112 were suitable for DNA testing. And that's where we are when Hanif hears about Norita's death on 5th December 2003. It's only a matter of time. By 7th December 2003, his name was already in the news. Wait, so this case not closed yet? Ah? <laughs> Mm. Oh, okay, okay. No wonder. Uh, speculative. I didn't mean anything. Not that he really did it. Or yeah. he, I don't know. <laughs> and instead of waiting for the police to come and get him, because I mean, his name is already in the news. Lah, mm. He turns himself in at the Bricksfields police station and he was arrested. But, but you are right. He was not the only one. All of Norita's friends were arrested. The two roommates, a businessman, a broker, just random people that were seen hanging out with Norita. Alright? There's like five people. That's so right, sad. Like, imagine like you die, then after all your friends gonna... Yeah. Yeah, okay. Why? They like, no hit, no tail. By 12th of December, Miko was also arrested because Miko what? did CPR <laughs> on her. Yeah, so uh, his DNA was every, there. They like, don't know lead, so they just arrest everybody. Yeah. Okay, and two of the other guys, they were rumoured boyfriends. But under old friends... As in like, they are both like... They were, they, they were, it was speculated that they were boyfriends, like rumoured. But like under oath, under oath, they swore that they were not boyfriends, that they were platonic. Which as is, in boyfriends of Norita lah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That they were like platonic. Maybe friends with benefits? No lah, no, no. I think these ones were really like just friends. Oh. So I think the police were, were trying to, ca- to cast a white net and just check everyone. And then even two of the security guards in the condo were arrested. <laughs> <laughs> and then, but then Obviously. they were released, lah. Yeah. So all the men had their blood samples taken to check their DNA, but Hanif was treated as the key suspect. Alright, and the other thing is that Hanif had cleaned his nails and like clipped his bush, his pubes, <laughs> before going to the police. But this was just like regular hygiene, you know. If you regularly yeah. do it, you will just like continue just doing. Just sway, lor. You just happen to do it the night before. Then like that also suspect. Okay, yeah, fine. So, <laughs> so I mean like, the only thing that we know for sure he was guilty of was being a cheater lah. But that doesn't mean that he's a murderer. <laughs> yeah. So the autopsy came back and it was very likely that Norita died of suffocation because they can tell with these kind of things. And on December 22nd, Hanif was charged. He was charged with the murder of Norita Samsudin and he pled not guilty. 
The trial started next year on May 7th and it lasted for 28 days. At that time, what's interesting is that they did find Hanif's DNA in Norita's um, vaginal swabs. But I mean, it's expected because yeah, they're banging. Yeah, but they also found the DNA of an unknown male one that didn't match mm. anything, that didn't match any of the men. Yeah, maybe he like did her when she was suffocating, you know, who knows. Yeah, and very likely, this was the smelly man, the, the <laughs> noxious smelly man that Azara and Kenneth smelled and that Azara saw. And the thing is that it wasn't just found in her vaginal swabs. Mm-hmm. It was found in the hair around the bed, in mm. semen stains on the bolster, on a bra that was used to tie her up, under her nails. Oh, they're very sus really, what? Yeah, because it's... That's very like defensive. The, yeah, it's on the, the Under stuff the that nails, used to yeah, exactly. yeah, tie her up. And it was also found in anal swabs. So Damn. Smelly Bro was a sick... Yeah. yeah. Now, the defense was focused on Hanif. And they said that he was a jealous lover and he couldn't stand the fact that Norita likely had other boyfriends and that he killed her in revenge and then ran away. That's then dumb because he's like no no no. But you know wife. the thing is that a lot of cheaters they cannot stand it if they think their wife is cheating. What the fuck? Yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> like there's this Reddit thread about this guy. Okay, so digression digression. I'm sorry digression from the case. There's a Reddit thread about a guy who was cheating on his wife for like years with one of his colleagues, mm-hmm. and then he was very scared that his wife found out. Um, mm. But then, when he was looking into it, he finds out that his wife has been cheating on him for the last six months, whereas he's been cheating on her for years. And then he's like, how can this be? How could she have done this to me? <laughs> what a hypocrite. Yeah, exactly. So a lot of people who cheat cannot stand it if their main partner actually cheats on them. It's like, maybe he's projecting his thinking Because they're so insecure. Yeah. Anyway, cheetahs up. Moving on. I thought like guys generally like I I ever had like a who had morbid jealousy, so he cannot uh, like let go. Uh, as in his wife cannot be out of his sight. If not, he thinks that she's cheating. Even when they are old, it get dementia. It it comes worse. I think that's very unhealthy. A, a lot of guys. I think some women also. Okay, not really women. Eh, more more guys. Eh, I hear more guys who have this possessive problem. I don't know, man. Teddy Teo is a jealous girlfriend. Oh, okay. <laughs> that equalizes stuff. Joking, joking. But am I really? <laughs> okay, so moving on. We know that the defense was just focused on Hanif and that he was jealous about the other boyfriends. And they, they even brought up the two security guards to verify it. But then when the guards were actually questioned, their story didn't add up. All right, in mm. the end, there are two quote-unquote star witnesses were very unreliable, alright? And it's very, very likely, just looking at the forensic evidence, that unknown male one was the last person to have sex with Norita and it wasn't Hanif and unknown male one was very likely the guilty party. Yeah. So Hanif was found not guilty, alright? Then what about unknown male one? He was wanted. There were wanted notices. There were newspapers. And at that point of time, he would have been around 30. He was described as 170cm tall, dark skin. Alright? 
So, but the thing here is, because there was so much focus on this pool of suspects that came from Norita's friends, Norita's boyfriends, okay? But then instead of having an active search for this mysterious unknown male one, mm-hmm. they spent so much time focused on Hanif and the pool of people there. That, yeah, that chances, <laughs> it, chances are by the time like he... He was gone. He already knew that there was an active search for him. He would have like laid low, you know. Yeah. Or like, is it the media is trying? Is it kind of influencing the police? Maybe, maybe, cause like they sensational, been, right? Yeah. So the thing is that we can never say for sure, but we know that there are a lot of cases where media pressure has played a part in influencing the case. Sometimes for better, but like the Murari death. Yeah, but it seems that <laughs> most of the times for worse, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because speculative, sensational pieces sell. Nobody wants to be like, you know, logically, let's look at this. <laughs> no, yeah. we want drama. <laughs> so I think that this was a massive shortcoming. Part of me feels like if there was a more aggressive, active search for this guy at the very start, there would have been a better chance. Yeah, like find more evidence, find more leads. Exactly. Because in the end, this case was never solved. An unknown male one is still out there, possibly alive, today. Thanks for being on the case, Margaret. Thanks for having me. It's been a while, hasn't it? Was it? I don't know. We spent (laughs) a lot of time together, but like, I don't know. No lah, like I think it was like, I think four, four episodes ago. Oh, no bad, no bad, no bad. Yeah. So there's actually some rumours. I didn't want to put this into the main case because of course they're like Reddit rumours lah. <laughs> what are they? That unknown male one is like rich and powerful lah. Uh, I mean, yeah, this is Malaysia. Yeah. So maybe got Kopi Lui. And then that's why the security guard yeah, story not yeah. cooperative. So like, so these are Reddit rumours that like unknown male one was rich and powerful and just bribed everybody under him to... Yeah, either that or maybe she, she like to go to clubs, right? I mean, that's how they, she met Hanif. So exactly. possibly she could have gone home drunk with a new guy. And yeah, and you don't guy, know when like, yeah. like serial killers, you know? Malaysia, Malaysia got, got serial killers one. Yeah, it's a very big country, easy yeah. to hide and run. Singapore, very hard to be a serial killer. If you want to be a serial killer, you have to don't watch CCTV. migrate. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah, just don't do crime. La. Obviously. <laughs> obviously, obviously, obviously. <laughs> so, if you enjoy listening to this case, this is another one that's reported in detail from the book Crime Scene Asia, When Forensic Evidence Becomes the Silent Witness by Liz Porter. Margaret, I think you like. It's on NLB app. <laughs> Yay, free! Free! Use NLB app. Use NLB app. Alright, not sponsored. Yeah, but you can sponsor them, we good also. Yeah, but NLB <laughs> app is the best, I swear. You can get free ST articles also. Every time, like, got the paywall. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> One of our best national resources. Yay. Anyway, if you have any cases you'd like me to cover... Drop me a DM on Instagram at a briefcase podcast. I'll share it with your friends as always. And you can also find me online at a briefcasepodcast.com. And do join us next week for another briefcase. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? 
we wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.